This episode of the EDM podcast is brought to you by EDM Foundations. If you're a new producer and you're stuck with tutorials and you're not sure where to go, EDM Foundations might be the answer. We've had over 4,800 producers join and level up their foundational skills by practically making four pro-level tracks rather than learning a bunch of theory and concept. So if you want to stop wasting time and nail your music, head to edmprod.com slash edm-foundations. That's edmprod.com slash edm-foundations. Alright everyone, welcome to the EDM Podcast. This is a show where we interview artists, producers and anyone in the industry of electronic music production. Now, my name is Aiden Russell, aka Artsy. I am the host here and today we are joined by Anki, who actually is on the podcast for the second time. If you aren't familiar with Anki, he is a producer based out of Bristol. You're still in Bristol, right, man? I am still in Bristol, absolutely. Awesome. Yes, and you are known for your emotional, melodic take on electronic music, fusing elements of pop and rock into your energetic context. You've had releases on Enhanced, Dim Mac, Seeking Blue, just to name a few. And as of this episode coming out, your new album, To Be Heard, has released. It so has. that's a little bit of a little bit about you, man. How are you? How's things? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good, man. I am very good. Uh, uh, as we were speaking about, I'm going to apologize for my audio up front. I've been on a stag do and my throat is ruined. <laughs> it's a nightmare. <laughs> Don't worry, man. Uh, it's too much. Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm in that kind of post-album glow of like I've been listening to the same ten songs for about two years, and I'm <laughs> I'm so excited to listen to other music that's not it. Yes. Oh man, that that's a long time to work on an album, like mm-hmm. two years. And there's Absolutely. definitely an interesting story. I was reading your little um like press press thing about that, which we'll dive into um towards the end of the episode. But um yeah, man, that's that's crazy. Um and <laughs> and yeah, like it's kind of funny. We we have a we've had a few artists who've come on for the second time on the podcast and it's like I think it was three years ago because you were on around episode time, yeah. 99 episode 99 when sam was still hosting so that's yeah it's crazy how time has flown man like i, uh, I honestly like, it feels like yesterday that they that the coronavirus has just kind of like eaten up most yeah. of my 20s i feel like i'm suddenly <laughs> on the on the verge of 30 and i'm just freaking the hell out like i don't know yeah. what i did for the last two years other than this yeah it's a bit weird like i'm tw- i'm nearly 25 um well kind of 24 and a half but like i'm it like feels like yesterday i was 21 and i was like yeah where did it's the time genuinely go ridiculous. <laughs> yeah yeah totally man um but yeah like uh it's it's interesting having like that that journey um we had tozoki on who came on for the second time recently as well and yeah like a lot happens in three years and um mm. yeah i'm keen to kind of expand off the back of the previous previous episode because yeah you're definitely a producer in my mind who's known for their sign like quite a strong signature sound um but i'd I'd say that like my my favorite thing is like i've heard that both as positive and negative like you you get this quite a lot when you um talk to producers when Mm. when some producers say i love your signature sound like they mean like you're writing and then when others do it they say i think your mix is shit and that's what they really mean like they just use it as this little like backhanded compliment it's like (laughs) yeah yeah it's a very unique sound yeah the the vibe is the vibe is there that's that's the other one it's like that's another way of saying indirectly the vibe is what matters you know <laughs> yeah you, you hear that so much you're just like oh yeah i see what you were going for like as this little like backhanded little thing <laughs> i'm guilty as charged when i've given that feedback to other people it's like oh, yeah 100%, I, can, like, I like the core the core idea here <laughs> yeah well you know ne- you never want to like especially in a feedback context you never want someone to send you music that they poured their heart and soul into and your first reaction is to bat it away so brutally mm. just this is shit all the way down because it's it, there's always something good about something right oh find yeah find that totally. first tell them what is good and then work on the rest of it you know you never be one of those people who just bats it down for no reason yeah exactly man it's a tough balance between like you know providing helpful pointers forward but also yeah not making the other person just feel feel (laughs) super disappointed about what they've poured poured their stuff into and you know lately i've been also like you know there's a balance between like objective feedback and then just like you know subjective things like yeah you know things like mixed down and stuff like that i'll always be like yeah you know like this is kind of like you know the kick should just be louder like generally speaking yeah. but like if it's like the lead sound it's like yeah you know you can take that or leave that sometimes i might just not like the lead sound you know it's like 
yeah whatever it's true yeah. that that's kind of an interesting that that's a topic that's been at the forefront of my mind while doing the um the new record actually this idea of yeah. like objective truth around kind of like mixing and stuff because mm. that it's really weird especially with electronic music the context for electronic music for so long has been right it has to hit live right you know that this kick has to make, yeah. make everybody like work on a dance floor but like if you're not making something for that environment if you're just like i just need this to be listened at home realistically mm. all the mix needs to do is complement the writing right so it yes. becomes more of a musical decision than it does a a technical list of things to hit like the amount of times i've had people going like is this mix down technically correct and it's like all that matters is like does it sell what you wrote realistically mm. like I, I i couldn't give a shit if your mix is clipping really hard if what you're going for is anger and like yeah. aggression and like really blowing things out they're all musical decisions you know like Sometimes yep. maybe you do want a really quiet kick because you're going for something completely different that's not supposed to make people go insane on a dance floor. Um, it's yeah. been really fascinating because like so so much of the community is built around like, no, these are objective truths we hold self-evident. Like yep. th this will always be this way. The kick will always be leveled here. We'll always run into this mastering setup or whatever. And like, yeah. no, man, they're all fun decisions you can play with. They're all good times. Yeah, that's it's so true. You know, I think that's one thing that did happen when electronic music kind of took off, you know, like, mm -hmm. and especially as like technology got, you know, better and better and stuff like that, like mastering technology and limiters and just what you can do to sound now is pretty crazy. So like, yeah, these like pseudo objective things are being created. But, you know, back in the day, there was like, you know, it was just like what you felt, you know, suited that track you know i remember reading a few i've read a few books on mixing and it's like you know some people like you know what this flute just really needs to come out of the mix and just be the loudest yeah. element it's like wait what like who'd think to do that you know it's meant to be like a background element but you know but, it doesn't well, it's, necessarily it's, it's, it's have all to. about what you wrote you know it's all about what emotion you were going for at the time like i it really frustrates me when when people yeah. outsource their mixing like I, I i kind of understand mastering because it's a nightmare and like when you master your own tracks, you have this existential crisis the entire time. It's it's horrible. But like yes. mixing is music making, as far as I'm concerned. It, it is emotional yeah. songwriting decision making the entire time. And if you give yep. that to someone else, it'd be like it would be like not being in the editing room when you're making a film or something. Like so much of the product and the, the emotion and the, the vibe is made there. Like yeah. I wouldn't want to give those decisions to someone else who wasn't writing it, you know? Yes, I, I totally agree with you there. Like mastering i've handed off many times and you know i i now like do mastering i run a label like so mm. i now wear that hat for the first time recently which is a fun kind of adventure but i mean yeah you're totally right like mixing i'm like i could i feel like i i know people do but i could never personally hand that off i'm too anal about like every little decision 100 <laughs> percent. like absolutely yeah. like that it's just then too creative visions who aren't speaking to one another really yeah you're like you're 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 making something in a like in a vacuum giving it to somebody else and they don't they don't know what you were going for mm. they don't know what you're doing all yes. they'll be doing is like they'll be referencing other tracks they think sound like you and, and are trying to go over there so they're never going to create something unique or for you they're literally mm. going like okay what's the best product i can do for my client right now it's to sound yeah. like x artist that's x amount bigger than them yes it drive me insane yeah, that's fair enough. I think, yeah, sometimes like maybe maybe sometimes having a second ear could help. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just I feel like I'd still want to make the end decision. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I can definitely hear in your music. There's a lot of small decisions that would have had to have been made to get that that music coming across the way it has. Um, because I mean, you were you're mentioning like the context. You know, I feel like you know your music in general, but you know your new album as well um to be heard you know that for me like it, it is very songwriting focused but and like you know and it, and it is like you can just listen to it you know in itself but i feel like there's a lot of energy in it too that would work in a live context and i feel like you do balance the two contexts quite nicely um at least you know personally i, I Thank think you, that man. i appreciate and, um, that Maybe, maybe do you want to dive into that a little bit? Like, what does that process yeah. look like for you um, on on the new album or in your music in general? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, thank you for saying that. That's very kind. Um, <laughs> well, one Maybe. of the interesting things about that is like um, that because this whole new project was written under this like basically, uh, I I kind of I got really, really, really frustrated with modern electronic music um, just because. Yeah. Because while while it's been blowing up bigger and bigger and bigger, obviously we're going to bigger and bigger stages. 
it means that the edges are being sanded off somewhat mm. you know we're not really getting things spiking out and going in different directions things are aiming towards a bigger and bigger market not necessarily a bad thing but it means the decision making process is getting the same every single time someone sits down to write anything which is really frustrating yeah um, it's interesting that you mentioned the live context because the idea with to be heard was like what if you make something that was never intended to be able to be mixed or to be danced yeah. to right you know like the, the entire point is what can electronic music do? Where can it go if it doesn't have to fit into a DJ set? If it doesn't need that macro yes, structure? Fair enough. Right? Yeah. Like, which is um like I'm not I'm not ragging on the back of any DJ sets whatsoever. I, it's an art form all in all in and of itself, but it's not one that I've ever really personally connected to all that much. Like I, I grew up in um like in bands and live rock settings, and I absolutely sure. adore just like for me, my favorite live shows are I've gone to see an artist I love with songs that I connected to at home first. And then I've arrived and like the emotion is seeing all these things that I adore and love, like come full force right at me off the stage. And that's like, that's amazing to me. Yeah. Um, that's the most important part. But like the, um, so they had the process sitting down and writing it very much was just like, okay, if we're not fitting into this macro structure, like what decision making processes does that unlock? And it turns out like, all of them <laughs> you can do whatever the hell you want there are then no more rules um yeah which is genuinely quite um quite terrifying in a weird way like um mm. it, it's very scary i i know a lot of for example like what this show is kind of based on it is a lot of you know production advice and production tips and and for so long that that kind of side of the industry is all about like productivity you know like so right. many questions you'll get from people coming up are like how can I finish more songs? How can I finish them faster? How can I, mm. um, you know, like make better decisions when I'm sat at the computer? Mm. And I'm really guilty of playing into that. Like, I know last time I was on, like, um, me and Sam talked for ages about like how when I write an album, I'll write like 70, 80 songs, start yes. to finish, and then cut the weaker ones until I get the ones that I like. Um, Damn. I think the the thing that really hit home for me this time was like you realize if you're making 70 or 80 songs, you're really not putting that much thought into what you're doing, really. Like, it's become automatic when you're focused on efficiency, when you're focused on really, like, properly banging out track after track and getting more and more and more efficient. You're not making interesting decisions anymore. You're almost automating the process. Right, um, okay. So to, for, for this one in particular, it was very much like, how, how do I break out of that? How do I make something interesting? Um, and it's... Mm was so frustrating <laughs> it was so yeah. difficult because you spent like i've spent like a decade of my life getting really good at yes. automating those processes like taking the friction out of it you know wow um yeah and all of a sudden intentionally adding that back in is really hard um like one of the uh one of the ones that i always tell people to kind of like see where they're headed at with it for example is um like say for example you you've just written a verse right yeah. Uh, it's a really nice sounding verse. It's great. You want to go chronologically to the next bit. What would you do? Mm. Yeah. I, I, so I, you could do most, a lot like, of things. <laughs> yeah, you you could do a lot of things, but most reverse people... The when entire, they... Reverse the entire intro and then just play yeah. it back and then start the song again. <laughs> Honestly, I've played with all of that kind of stuff. It's so much fun because like, I think most people, when you've yeah. written you know, 4,000 songs, you write a verse and your brain goes, well, it's got to be pre-chorus. And you go, why Why yeah. does it have to be pre-chorus? Because that's what I've always done. That's what everyone mm. does. So that's that's the rule. That's what you do. Um, but when you don't have that rule pinning you down, all of a sudden, songwriting takes 50 times longer. Uh, but you always go in yeah. a more interesting direction because you always get to the end of a section. You go, okay, what is next? Like, it doesn't have to be a chorus. doesn't have to be the build. doesn't have to be the drop. It can be anything that I want. Yeah. You know, that's, a, that's an interesting topic because I, I do think like, yeah, the the most interesting electronic music, like just completely challenge or music in general, really challenges those norms. Mm. I do, yeah. It's like a balancing act between like you know knowing the rules, but then also knowing how to break them. I think, yeah. like, I think you know, if, like new producers who are listening to this, you know, maybe they do. Maybe you do need to know what the rules are a little bit more, like to kind of okay understand you know kick drum, bass, side chain. I don't know, like those kind of concepts, but then like. Yeah, like I think producers who kind of stagnate on like who are maybe a bit more advanced, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like I'm in that position where like 
you know, I like for example, last year I did like 52 tracks in a year. And like, I'm a drum and bass producer, right? So it's like, you know, it can it can be very easy to like rinse and repeat the same song, like a very similar song yeah. structure. Um, now I'm at this point where I'm like, all right, how do I like take this and kind of just like do something new? And I think you definitely do get to a point where you're like, all right, I need to like just slow down a bit maybe. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, you do have to challenge your own, as you say, habits and, and ways of doing things that you just automatically revert to because we all have them like especially oh, the longer you go on yeah. i mean and that's mm. and that can be a great thing like that's part mm. of what the quote-unquote signature sound is for anybody it's your bank of mm. presets and decision making processes and your mixed choices that you'll have made thousands and thousands of times there's yeah. no shame in falling back to that for the mm. micro if that makes any sense so like yeah you, you've written a section you need a quick lead load in the lead that you know you like great that's fine it's yep. the ideas underpinning all of those mechanics that are the things yeah. that you need to challenge and, and move and, and change. Um, and it's it's quite difficult when you like when you identify as kind of like a producer in a genre. Like uh, I, I, yeah. I I've done I, I've got other projects outside of Anki that are all very focused on you know this is drum and bass, this is dubstep, this is you know chill nice. or ambient or whatever. And yeah. like it's it's certainly a lot easier for me i'm not having these weird existential crises i feel a lot more detached from it because i often do feel like i am hitting the checklist you know sure like there are yeah. there are objective things that need to work about it um, yes because their environment is you know to be danced to to be mixed that kind of thing drum and bass in particular is great because it's this great balance of the kick needs to slam the snare needs to cut like yeah. it needs to roll really well it needs to be danceable but yes it also needs to be infused with this fucking manic energy because that's yeah. its whole vibe right like there exactly. is still this really fun balancing act between the two whereas something like um house music in particular for example yeah it's almost all objective truth like it does have to groove but for the most part even if you did the most basic songwriting assumptions if you really nail the technical side of it you'll be fine you know yeah yeah totally yeah, and I, I think that's probably more so true, yeah, with like the more dance-oriented genres. Um, but, you know, even, even then I feel like, you know, some of the most interesting producers in those spaces are the ones who are breaking the rules. Yes, like, I, absolutely. I, I don't know if you're familiar with um, like Fred again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I feel like he's doing some really interesting things with the way he's like sampling in that context. And like a lot of his tunes are definitely like, you know, dance music, but yeah like i feel like he's doing some fun things and yeah i feel like some producers out there even in that world can you, you can do fun things in that world too so oh all, yeah, there's always room show, for yeah. for evolution and growth even within like a small you, you don't have mm. to do what i did and, and make something that's borderline unlistenable like you can very much like innovate yeah. and move around within a um <laughs> within a genre context um one of the ways i describe it to production students they're like whenever anyone asks for their like the signature sound talk or so I, I like thinking yeah. of it as like a grid basically so you've got like one axis is um kind of intensity so at the very bottom is like relaxed right in the middle is kind of just like moderate and right at the top is very very aggressive and then yeah. on the uh on the other axis going along all the way over here would be as batshit insane as possible so we're talking like no time signature free jazz baby let's fucking go all the oh, way on yeah. the other side would be like the most commercial thing you've ever seen in your entire life perfectly made for radio and bang in the yeah. middle there is this kind of like oh it's taking some risk but it still blends on the genre every every wow. possible genre you can think of is built around those two axes of how many wow. risks do you take in the arrangement and how mm. where is the intensity level at yeah, like there are, yeah that that's a really nice way of thinking about it for me so for example the example i always use is um you know joyride everyone loves joyrides yeah yeah joy yeah. Is just, yeah joy is just wonderful um <laughs> the reason why that sticks out so well is that like in the like macro grid of house music right you've got like a really chill deep house so the intensity is all the way down and you're not really taking any risks so you're over here yeah you get a big pocket of artists over here then you yeah. get like complexo so you've got like taking some risks and really high intensity up here joyride yeah. is taking fewer risks but yeah. he's ratcheting the intensity so goddamn high on every possible thing with with groove and and sample choice and yeah. flow that there's no one else around him in that space so all of a sudden yeah, it becomes right. this this new de facto genre everyone suddenly starts popping up around there because no one else was doing that. So you can mm. kind of like arrive there and be like, oh, I see on the grid where he is. All right, let's give that a go. 
um mm. like there's there's always an interesting decision making moment to be had where you sit down and kind of plot on those grids where everyone is and you realize oh no one's doing this bit over here okay i'll try that i'll try it. low intensity high risk let's see what that is and it, it yeah. can be really fun sometimes just mapping out what's around and what's not and seeing where the next hole will be filled you know yeah that's a that's a really interesting like analogy i never thought of it like that that's yeah I love that, man. That's great. I'm definitely going to use that. Use that. I'm going to steal that from you. <laughs> yeah, you go ahead, man. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'll come and see you later. It's great. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's awesome, man. Um, yeah, and move, moving forward a little bit as well. I mean, one thing you've done on your latest album as well um, is, and, and also just in general too, is just you collaborate with a lot of people, um, namely a lot of vocalists. Um, I mean... What have you learned uh, recently, I guess, through all these collaborations? Because I know like working with others is definitely always an insightful process in one way or another. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on yeah how that went for you. It is. Uh, so it's I, I have kind of a weird relationship with kind of collaboration at the moment. So on the on the new records, like there's a lot of kind of features, but yep. it's not really a kind of conventional feature list in the same way that like an Elenium record or a Said the Sky record would be where it's basically yeah. a pop song has been written, they need a top line, they go to lead the, the like the like hired guns of the EDM world who will write the perfect pop top line or maybe they've got one line around. You know how the industry yeah. goes, like people get sent top lines in the bin all the time and they just kind of like Lego bricks stick them on top of what they got until they have a product that makes sense. Sure, um, yeah. This, this was very much like, I had all these songs for about two years, uh, and I was I was gonna put my own vocals on them, but I uh, I hate my voice. There's one track still with my voice on it that kind of worked, uh, so I I kept it there. Um, but everyone else, I was like, right, I need I need vocalists on this one. Yeah. Um, and it very much was just look, these songs are so weird and they're so strange and they have such an odd thing that I'm gonna have to basically tell you beat for beat what I wanted and what I was thinking. Um, it was. It's not how I generally like to work. I don't like prescribing things. I love getting in a room with someone and just vibing and seeing what their ideas were. But this time I was very much just like, here's the subject matter. Here is the exact structure beats to hit. Off you go. And they just, they knocked it out of the park. Um, they did really wonderful things with it. Um, wow. But like, I I adore, that's not really how I tend to like collaborating because I love learning from people's processes. So um, sure, something that I am... Um, doing at the moment with um so mouse who is on the record as a feature as a vocalist um she is a really good friend of mine she is a phenomenal producer in her own right actually i would strongly recommend going and going and checking out her stuff um but we have uh, kind of recently started a collaboration project where basically we get in a room and we kind of like yes and exclusively that's all we do so whatever anyone says you have to do it and then you have to add something to it. So we kind of just started just making the worst possible decisions and you have to make <laughs> it work, which is so wow. much fun. Oh, it's amazing. Like I'll turn around to yeah. me like, okay, we're going to have a new section. What BPM is this in? It should go like 250. Like, yep, cool. Up we go. 250. Let's see what we can do. Uh, all right. What what will the kick drum be? Like, wh Where are we going to put the kick drum? On an eighth, every eighth. I was like, yep, sure. Yep. Put that there at 250. Why not? <laughs> um, and it's so much fun. You learn so many things and like you, your brain will go in different directions that you would never make that process by yourself. You know, a, a real true sure. collaboration should be about you come up with an idea and someone takes it and runs with it in a way that your brain wouldn't have before. Yeah. Um, I think that's when you know you're onto something really, really strong and really great. Um, the, mm. the other side of collaborations, which is uh more of the hot industry gossip i won't name names but you'll probably be able to work out who i'm talking about anyway uh i uh i did some um kind of collaboration work uh recently with like a kind of a bigger name in the kind of like future base edm space uh, yeah. which was not not my kind of collaboration at all basically Fair. it was that um it was this thing where we sat down and they immediately like they had a brief of what they wanted and it wasn't like we want to talk about this or we want to write in this way it was very much here's a list of artists that we'd like to sound like please can you can you make this uh, right okay. which is immediately not very inspiring whatsoever so you know you sit down and you make it to this brief and it's a bit sterile and you send it over and I had all these like weird little things in there that I was really happy with. They're like, oh, what about this arrangement moment? And the first thing they do is like, yeah, sorry. In, in our reference tracks, there's no moment where it suddenly has this weird little dubstep break. We're going to have to take that out. Uh, and like they would 
chop things out that didn't fit the mold so to speak right um, and all the edges got sanded away from it so it was this kind of it wasn't additive collaboration it was very much subtractive um yeah. and while sometimes you do need an editor it should always be in service of what you were writing in the first place not what someone else has already written if that makes sense right. okay um, so yeah. there was this um that there were a few moments where i i got really really frustrated and really upset like i i'd finished this track off sent it off to them um, and then waited and nothing appeared for like seven or eight months. Um, oh, wow. That's a long like, time. No, no, like nothing happened. I, I just kind of figured, oh, no, maybe it's not coming out. Then they sent me a message back like eight months later saying, hey, man, so uh, we've uh, we've decided to do some rebranding. And like based on where the industry is right now, we're, we're going to change what we're about. and We want to aim for this style now. So could you rewrite the whole song to sound like these artists now? And it's like, <laughs> oh, my Christ. <laughs> <laughs> okay Jeez. yeah sure i guess that's what you need so i i sat down and i reworked the entire thing again to sound like someone else this time um yeah and it, it did end up seeing the light of day and i feel like when you when you listen to it on my spotify or whatever it's going to stick out like a sore thumb because you'll be like what is this the same guy and it's like, is this the right. same artist? like no it's not <laughs> at all because it's it's not it's not a collaboration of addition it's very much a collaboration of of aim at a thing and subtract until you get to it which is is not as fun and it's not this learning process where you take on new ideas and you you know get someone else's input that because the input's yeah. always aiming at something you know rather than just creating and see where it ends up totally yeah i think it's um it's good to collaborate with all sorts of people for that reason because mm. you then you can see like different collaboration styles you know collaborating with someone worse than you like you know like object like let's say like someone who's like a very new producer versus maybe you're more experienced you know like you know you're gonna learn something from that even then like you're gonna oh completely um and, and like yeah. it's the collaborate even if we're going with the idea of kind of objectively worse like that the ideas yeah. underpinning them like their ideas could still be really strong and really fascinating mm. they just need a more a seasoned hand to put pen to paper you know um, yeah. like there's, that there should never be a moment where you're thinking about collaborating with someone because of their numbers or their reach or whatever like that is not the way to do things it should always be you've got a cool musical brain we get on let's see what happens um the yeah. the thing that i um i really did love about this record obviously like there are loads of different genre influences outside of um kind of electronic music that's in there the one thing yeah. that i really wanted was to get vocalists on who knew what those would be and would vibe with it so for the most part all the vocalists are people that i know in real life and i'm very close to they happen oh, to be awesome. just very talented like great vocalists um yeah. so for example someone like um joel who's uh under the name ashen's uh ashen static um he's on a couple of these records he is a phenomenal music producer and songwriter and vocalist in his own right um but he grew up on a lot of you know emo rock and metal and stuff and like yeah he can hear something and instead of going with a traditional like one note edm take on it will be like i'm going to bring in some notes of enter shikari i'm going to bring in some notes of bring me the horizon I'll, I'll take whatever i need to from outside to kind of push it in a different direction i would always say if you can like don't collaborate with someone who's making the same music as you like collaborate with someone who's making something completely disparate and different and see where those two sound worlds meet in an interesting fun way you know like if if two dubstep artists collaborate you're going to get a dubstep track right fine it yeah. might be a good dubstep track it might be a boring one you don't know if a dubstep artist collaborates with a fucking jazz pianist what are you going to get you have no idea yeah. like that could get that could end up really cool what's going to happen like that i, I think I, that yeah i sorry i i think one thing that just came to mind when you were saying that was the um like the classic example of that would be like the Skrillex and the Doors collaboration. Yeah. Um, breaking a Sweat. Like that oh, was man. really cool. And it's like such a weird concept. Um, I feel like Skrillex is someone who's done a few interesting collaborations over the years <laughs> like that. Like even um, like even within electronic music, like how he was, did that tune with Fortet. Like you would just not imagine those two even within the realm of electronic music working together, they're just from completely different opposite ends of the spectrum, but they made some really cool music and they did like, even their DJ sets, I thought were like really interesting, like yeah. the, just the way they did that. So yeah, it, it's, it can get some really, really cool results for sure, man. Absolutely. Yeah. I would, I would always say if you're thinking about, you know, broadening your horizons, collaborating with people, go as far afield as you possibly can see what you can mm. see what you can do as long as they're open-minded and willing to to kind of go with it and they're not shoehorning you into their genre just go 
fucking wild. Go and sit down and go really, really weird. Um, yeah. You can get some great stuff out of that. That's where my favorite music always comes from. Mm. And I think like reducing the expectation of even it needing to be anything like you need to release as well. Yes. Like sometimes you just make music for the fun of it and it should always be fun. Like yeah. if it's not fun, why are you doing this? Like like <laughs> the that it's it's something that really frustrates me about the commercialization of all of it of just like, all right, I need to make music my job because it's what I love to do and like I'm gonna be on the hustle and the grind and all of that stuff. If it is a hustle and it is a grind, you're not having fun anymore. So what are you doing here? <laughs> like music should always be about having that enjoyment and that moment and that love and passion first, you know? Mm. Um, like the the aim the goal of sitting down at your computer to work on some tracks shouldn't be I have to have something to release by the end of the month. It should be I'm really excited to make something because when you do that, you will have something to release at the end of the month because you'll be enthused about it. You'll be passionate about it and it will be great. Yeah. And that is when music really connects with people and it really, um, that's when you can actually start building a sound and building a career. When you think of it as a career and a sound building thing, uh, you're not going to have any joy and it's going to be reflected in the music, you know? Like it's not, it won't have that infectious kind of moments to make you smile and go like, oh, I'm sorry, what did they do? Like that, that yeah. comes from having a great time. Totally. I think, um, you know, I'm guilty of falling into that trap myself. I'm sure a lot of people we all are, are like, we all yeah, are. We, we, like, like, especially if you, you know, do, you know, rely on it for income, even, even if it's not like a full-time thing, like, you know, just having like, or wanting to, you know, and it's nice mm. to be able to have that and, and, you know, monetize it somewhat. But yeah, I think it's the, it comes back to like the process focus rather than the result, like just, um, and as and what you said is like completely spot on. You actually end up like finishing stuff still, and you still end up making good music. And and it's not like you sacrifice that, but it's just where your focus is at. Yeah, um, completely. Because then then it is fun, and then you still get the results you were like fretting over in the first place. So and they're better um, results as well. You know, like it really is. Like the yeah, I I I can't remember who it was. I was talking to someone a few months ago, and they likened that to um like free range meat versus like battery caged meat. <laughs> like, oh wow! Yeah, you still you still end up with like chicken on a plate, right? But one tastes significantly better. <laughs> um, That's interesting. <laughs> Like it's it it kind of struck a chord with me a little bit, uh, barbaric wow. kind of visuals aside. Um, like it was, <laughs> it, it very much kind of struck with me because, like, yeah, all of my favorite music has been made when someone didn't give a shit, you know, um, when mm. someone really sat down and just went, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna go so odd and so weird," or like, "I have something to say and I have to get it out of my system," because it really comes across in the final product when something has been made for a brief or when it's been made for a deadline or because you know x playlist needs you know x amount or we have to hit this october date or whatever you can tell you know it might be good it might be better than good but you probably won't be listening to it a year from now um you know you'll you'll eat it up you'll consume it once or twice and then you'll move on you know mm, so true that's interesting that's some definitely some food for thought in there man um but I, one thing I wanted to ask you about, like talking about like, you know, the process and and just production in general, like I would love to for you to dive into like just some examples, anything that comes to mind of like, you know, what specifically did you do on the new album? Uh, you know, that that was different. That was fun. Like just a technique that you'd never tried before that resulted in something cool. Like anything that comes to mind like that, feel free to like share because I'm oh, sure people man, would love gonna, to We're going to be here all day. It'll be great. Uh, so <laughs> um, a lot of the, um, I mean, if we're getting nerdy, we'll go real in depth to the, the nerdy. We can go nerdy. We can go bit. nerdy. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll start. We'll start macro and then we'll get we'll get deeper. Um, so like the, the first thing was something we've already touched on, which was the idea of um, like macro decision making and just like, okay, where will this go every single time? That was a very interesting thing. But uh, when you kind of like go a layer deeper, you can get some really interesting stuff with, okay, so when you start questioning why a verse after a chorus or why a build and then a drop, right? You then start applying that same process to, let's say, instrumentation, right? You go... Mm -hmm why do I have to process a guitar like a guitar? Um, because the rules say you should, right? Why should I have to process a dubstep bass like a dubstep bass? Why should do I have to play it down low? Because convention says you should. That's where it conventionally fits in the role, right? Right. When you yeah. take all of those out of the way, you get some really fascinating results. So one thing that I absolutely adore doing on this record is there's guitar all over it. A lot of it sounds like convention guitar because I just love that distorted, aggressive feeling. But yeah. in every song, there are 
thousands of little bits and bobs that don't sound anything like a guitar, but you get a really fascinating process by plugging the guitar in and then applying your processing chain that you'd put on a disgusting dubstep bass or what happens if you process it like a hi-hat or like whatever like you just throw on some very weird stuff and then yeah like once you're plugged in it then changes what you would play right because you if you processed it like you would process like a backing pad right yeah and then you try and play like a chunky riff down like it's not going to work it will change musically how you approach that instrument which is really fun yeah you might play it like higher or lower depending on what you're processing exactly harder softer. you <laughs> might play chords you might arpeggiate you might like it, it interacts with the processing in a really fun way so something i've mm. been i've been doing quite a lot for atmospheres recently is plugging a guitar in and um basically applying loads of reverse reverb um so instead of you know having right. a transient and less allowing it to to go out you play and you just get that like kind of sound like ah. bringing it back in when you play the guitar that yeah. combined with some slap that back delay it's not particularly uncommon but it's very nice hearing that on top of electronic context um yeah, one nice. thing that i've i've really loved doing is um uh it's something i've played around with for quite a few years but i really found a good setup for it is plug the guitar in and run it through like vocal auto-tune um and then basically what you can uh what you can do is you can mess with the formant shift a little bit right so um, for for those producers who you know haven't really played around with formant formant is basically not the pitch of your voice but the kind of timbre of it so i have quite a low formant at the moment you can go lower and still have the same pitch and it sounds like this or you can go higher and you have the same pitch but it sounds like this right it's the same (laughs) note uh, that's basically what formant is doing if yeah. you formant shift something that's not a human voice man you get some cool stuff right yeah um, so i absolutely adore plugging a guitar in automating some formant shift by holding down the same note and then running that into like nine distortion units in a row and seeing how that like really plays with some just wild stuff you get crazy yeah. harmonics out of that it's very cool wow that is insane i like just the yeah i love like the the thought process behind that like yeah for like for why do you have to use a four minute shifter on um on like you know just a voice you can use it on any sound you can use it on any sound absolutely like there are there are so many little rules you can break and as long Mm. as there is an element of convention and an element of structure to your song it will still work right you don't have to like go balls to the wall and do like venetian snare style idm like you can make crazy (laughs) cool interesting decisions and then you can pin it down with a conventional beat or like a nice snare drum that's cutting through the mix like so something that i really found was um there's there are a lot of moments on this record where i wanted like just pure aggression and passion and noise and anger so there's a lot of me just like screaming into a mic putting genuinely like 20 distortion plugins on like 10 OTTs just absolutely just ramming it full clipping everything it's just a nightmare as long as you can pin that kind of like insanity down with a clean kick that then side chains through and cuts through Mm. it still sounds convincing the audience still buys it and you get all that passion and anger and noise coming through really really nicely um yeah uh, the second track um lifeless that was a a bitch to mix but i really enjoyed doing that because like the guitars in the like the big section are being ran through these like overdrive settings that have been cranked far beyond anything that any guitar would possibly Mm. go through in real life it sounds so digital and so harsh and so like brittle and angry and just like oh it just it sounds like a human being breaking apart which is why which is what i wanted (laughs) it sounds great um and like it it sounds when you solo it out awful in on top of a stack it sounds awful but when you like apply your traditional production techniques when you put on your nice clean snare you get the side chain going like everything's bouncing and everything's working yeah decision making process feels more conventional than it actually is right because it's Uh... being caught by by good stuff so like my, my advice to to like anyone producing is go as weird as possible on the sound design stage and then worry about fitting that in later because you there's always more ways to make something unconventional feel more palatable by mm. adding context in the mix later you know right like yeah. you always find something more interesting by going completely off the reservation when you make a sound adding it back into the mix later that is where you can start making it a little bit easier to consume for somebody else you know 
Totally. That's such a good point. I think Foley is a perfect example of this. Like Foley on its own just is not sound musical, but you know, you put it with a beat and, and you know, the rhythm implied in Foley can become part of the rhythm of the song when it's anchored by a kick and a clap and a snare and even some other percussion uh, and, and the other musical elements. Like, yeah, that's so true. Like the context can change how you perceive the sound. Completely. Yeah, always. Mm-hmm. Um, like the, um, in, in terms of other fun kind of processing bits that I, I kind of discovered and really messed with this time around, um, I... I absolutely adore, um, like, there's a really lovely piano plugin called uh, Imagero um, Piano. It's the very talented young producer called Imagero who literally just, like, I want to say it was for a uni project or something, just made a piano plugin for, like, a nice soft piano. Um, nice. I would strongly recommend everyone goes and buys it. It's, like, 20 quid. Get it off his Twitter. It's great. Um, but wow. I, I use that all over this record. But something that I really love about it is that it has fantastic recordings of, like, the hammers coming down on a piano, the pedals being lifted up, everything like that. And there is a a slider on it to jack those ambient noises up really, 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 really high. Ah, um, so nice. what I ended up doing was I ended up jacking up that uh, that kind of like room noise, the hammers, the like the mechanics of a piano. Uh, then I would run it into a uh, like about a chain of like nine OTTs and brutal limiters and compressors and all that stuff. And then what I would do was just go in and remove all the notes in the audio and just have the like clangs and punches and like weird moments where they're like the pedals lifted off and you get these cool like moments of sounds. And I would layer yeah. those up with drums and stuff um, because yeah. you get this really nice like rooted kind of human tangible layer to things that wouldn't normally be there. So wow. in, in moments where things needed to feel more intimate and roomy, but I didn't just want to apply room reverb to a, an 808 or like a digital hip-hop sounding kit or something you yeah. can get some great stuff by just like finding very human elements l- taking all of the note value out of it and layering it up with drums that that's so much fun to do wow um, yeah that's a really good time uh the the main kind of process for for this album though that i i always instill i think it's the sound of the record is work with audio as much as humanly possible um like the um the amount of a kind of like self-imposed box you get into with midi is really weird i don't know if you find this but i I feel like so many people do when you have a a patch that you're working on you have them like you have to put it to the door in midi you get really precious about it you almost don't want to go in and work on it you don't really want to mess around with the lines too much or the patch too much like once the midi's down it's almost set in stone like it, it feels like such an effort to go in and play with things um, yeah, the, like that. The, there's this huge barrier to it for some reason. Um, the, I, I the sound would of this record, that, yeah. yeah, yeah. The sound of this record for sure has been sound design something, get weird and do some stupid stuff, bounce it to audio immediately and delete the patch, uh, and then mm. you are basically forcing yourself to like go in and just force this audio to fit, and you get such fun moments because it's so. It's like. The way I think of it, it's like trying to fill a container with Lego bricks or trying to fill it with water. Like it's so much easier and so much better. Like you can just chop and change it in such interesting ways. So something that I almost always do for this record is instead of playing like a full line that I know I wrote and it was perfect, I would just sound assign something absolutely bizarre, like the format shifted guitar or whatever. And I would just jam for about a minute straight on any random scale, any note, just make horrible noises, experiment bounce to audio, delete the patch, and then Damn. chop in and chop out of that audio in a sequence that sounds musical and fun and interesting. And then that's where some of the riffs actually come from and and kind of, it's the kind of thing you'd never write if you had just a line or just some MIDI, right? You really can get some fascinating stuff by going in and just mangling audio when you've been given that limitation. Yeah, working in audio was absolutely a game changer for me in general. Mm. I think the reason I like it too is it's so visual, whereas yeah. MIDI is not very visual. Like, sure, you can see the notes, um, and maybe for certain sounds, which are like, you know, purely for the musicality, sorry, the musicality of them rather than maybe the sound design as much, like that might be fine to leave them in MIDI. But yeah, apart from that, like audio, like all my drums I do in audio as well, like, mm. I can't do MIDI drums for some reason. Maybe like hats I can do at most, but yeah, I always end up doing audio for some reason. It's just much, yeah, nicer to work with. Um, and for sure. Are, are just, you in Ableton? 
I'm not no. So I I'm quite an unconventional little duck. I uh, I'm in reason, which is uh, very odd for a lot of people. Yes. Um, how how I, do you do about the go about audio in reason? Because that's be pretty hectic, I'd imagine. No, audio and reason, I think, is one of their strongest suits. Um, really? Okay. The, yeah, the audio processing and reason. Like, I every time I collaborate with someone who works in Logic or Ableton or something, they come in and work me, uh, watch me work on audio, and they just go like, "That's so quick." It's like I know <laughs> it's wow, it's unbelievably okay. smooth. Um, like my I, I I get quite a lot of um uh kind of kudos on my audio like glitching and um yeah. like just just messing with audio in general just because it is so fast like i can chop things up reverse things repitch re resample um hell even if you double click on an audio track and reason it immediately brings up a fantastically convincing melodyne-esque auto-tune system where you can go in and wow. literally like just completely repitch remangle everything with the full melodyne like pitch like lines and everything you can That's set awesome. the drift set the length everything you can do it in seconds and get out um wow. and you can apply that to any audio not just vocals so that again is is something i've done quite a lot of of like i will record a lovely piano line or i will like like i'll just have random instruments around my desk like this weird pan pipe thing <laughs> I, I i i've done that so many times where i've just like done some stupid notes and then gone into the audio and reason double clicked and just done the weird melodyne mangling and put it up four octaves and down four and see what happens when you go between them and you get some fucking rad stuff <laughs> mm, wow yeah. yeah i mean i that's wow i've learned something new today because i always was like oh yeah ableton's like the world's best audio and it is good i love ableton it's but good, yeah, it, good. It, 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 it's good but it's it's more like there, there is nothing that any door does better than any other door at this point yeah uh, it's more just about what workflow clicks for you to be honest exactly. there is no there's very that I do not understand the kind of the door dick swinging thing. Like mine's better than <laughs> yours. Like it just doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Like I yeah. know people who can produce like Billboard chop- topping hits in Garage Band. Like it doesn't yeah, matter. It happens all the like more than we think. Yeah, <laughs> genuinely. Like it really, really yeah. does. It doesn't matter what you use. It's just about what you're comfortable with. Um, yeah. That that's why I'm on reason. Like I'm a very. I came from a very rooted like rock, metal, jazz. Like I love playing in bands. So when I wanted to teach myself production. The only one that made sense to me was one that was laid out like a, you know, a guitar like effects pedal chain. I could see mm. it and I was like, oh, so this wire goes to this wire. Oh, I can yep. move that around. Great. And it felt like playing. It didn't feel like work, you know. Like I sat down and the first thing you can do is if you just hold down alt and click on anything on the screen, automation done. Immediately you're in. So I just yeah. it, it is such a great door for experimentation because that's where it puts all the effort to like like that's what it puts in front of the user first, which is why I really like it. Like it's, um, nice. it's not a door for people who are more technically minded. I don't think it's a door for people who really want to get into the nuts and bolts of you know. All right, okay, these this bus routing must be perfect. This, uh, th- this mix down has to be exactly right. I think it's much more for a door of people who want to get in and muck about and get something fun quick. You know. Yeah, I think I think traditionally a lot of people have even just you know used reason via like rewire or something even if yeah. they're using another door and just the environment is is so fresh i sort i've used reason a little bit in the past um not not extensively but yeah that's one thing i remembered about it just is the ability to just you know the sound mangling and processing possibilities are just endless because you can ra- route things in crazy different ways like yeah absolutely yeah that's awesome man oh well moving moving on to one more thing um I wanted to ask you with your new album as well, which, by the way, I love the artwork, like the the basic oh, shapes. Um, it's classic. He, my my friend Oscar did that. He again is also featured on the record. He's uh, he goes by Listing. He is the vocalist on track cool. seven. Outside, uh, he's phenomenally talented in way more ways than I am. Yeah, the artwork is great. He smashed it. Yeah, it's awesome, man. Um, and I guess like, yeah, I mean, we kind of touched on it earlier, but I did want to dive into it a bit more. Because, yeah, you said, you know, obviously you wanted this song, this this uh, record rather, to be more of a, yeah, songwriting, like take take the conventions of electronic music and kind of throw them out the window. Um, you One thing you didn't mention earlier is that you actually pretty much had the whole album written, uh, I believe, and then you decided, like, no, this can't be the album. So, I'd, I mean, 
Men- I just want to know mentally, how do you have a whole album written and then decide not to release it? Like I couldn't do, like straight up, I couldn't do that. So I'd love to hear like your thoughts on that. <laughs> it, it was really difficult, man. Uh, so yeah, like yeah. 20, 2019, I was uh, following up my <laughs> my previous album, Bloom, which like, yeah. yeah, it was fine. It was good, but I could, I could feel it getting more sanded down and a bit more commercial. And I wasn't quite vibing with it in the same way. But sure. I, I did the same process again. So I wrote, I think, I'm, I think I wrote like 85 songs. I, I like from start to finish, I cut it all wow. down and I had a really good solid album of like 14 tracks. Uh, it was getting to the end of 2019 and I had this album written like we had some guest vocalists on it. It was sounding really good. Everything was getting polished up, it was pretty much ready to go. And I sat down, and I just listened to it start to finish. And just like I realized like I got to the end of it and I hadn't felt anything <laughs> the entire right. time like i i was being so analytical about it i was just sat there just being like yes this is correct this is right this is good and i had no fire in my belly about it i had, I had sure. nothing that made me happy it, it was so dull and it just sounded like other people but worse you know it just sounded like you know this track sounds like elenium this track sounds like porter this track right oh he's gone a bit weird here this track sounds like apex twin but it still sounded like a bad apex twin right uh, and like, okay just because I could bound between those genres didn't mean that I was doing anything new uh, or fun or interesting. It just felt so rote and boring. And like, right. I, I had a kind of existential breakdown about it a little bit because I, I like, this is my job. Like it doesn't pay a lot of money. And yeah. that was a bankable release that would have worked, you know, like it would have fit in sure. playlist. Like it would have had label backing. It could have been pushed. Like it would have helped me out so much, but I knew personally that i would if i released that i kind of like cut like did a doctor strange cast my mind to the future and i just <laughs> i saw i saw a world in which i was just bored and done with making music you know like i right. was just i was just over it because i wasn't having fun with it anymore um so i did i i, I made the rashes in because i knew if i kept them on my computer i would have that panic moment of tom you need to pay rent like god see, just release this music right get it out um so i just deleted it all i had a rash moment i had a beer and i just got rid of every shred of wow. it uh all the project files i still have some bounces here and there just for posterity's sake but i deleted yeah. all the projects they are gone um wow and i said we're not doing that again you know we are like there's a phenomenal uh talk at gdc by the one and only mick gordon uh the man who did the insane doom soundtracks and it's basically him talking about mm. how he created the doom soundtrack and there was one bit that always sticks out to me and it's basically saying if you do the same process every time you're going to get the same outcome if you want to change the outcome you have to change the process first right you have to yeah. change the input otherwise you're not going to get a different output so that's when i like i deleted everything and i was like i have to fundamentally rewire my brain and think about what i'm doing i have to change the input that i'm putting into this to get something out that i'm happy with at the end of it um, sure so yeah that that's where the kind of sea change came in and the first thing i did was um <coughs> excuse me the first thing i did was literally i wrote about all the things that i wanted to write songs about first of all so i had this emotional map and what i noticed was that like i had written no love songs in massive capital letters like nine times uh because i was just like <laughs> i'm so fed up of like these these big like in like you can make electronic music about anything why is every single song a breakup song like i mean i know (laughs) why money but like uh i i was just really bored of it so i wrote down all the things i wanted to talk about i wanted to you know uh talk about suicide ideation about depression imposter syndrome like all this kind of stuff yeah um and then i wrote a big word doc about all the things that i all the things that i didn't want the album to sound like and all of the things that I wanted to try. And the big thing on the very, very top of it was um, no conventional structure. And I wanted to play with time signatures as much as possible. Um, sure. Because like the in the in the what this album will not be document, it was very much at the top of the list. Uh, like this is not to be DJ to you don't like dancing. So it's not for dancing. This should be as personal to you as possible. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So once you once you start realizing that like okay someone doesn't have to dance to this the first question you ask is okay well why does it have to be in four four like if if you don't have to dance to it if it is just for listening to why why do you have to have an even beat right so yeah, one of the first yeah. kind of doodles I did was I just sat down put the door in five four and I'm just like all right what are some fun rhythms that you can play with and mess around with and 
that then was the process that started the ball rolling. Every time I would sit down at the door to make one of these new songs, I would first of all change the time signature and tempo to something you'd never normally touch and be like, all right, what's the first thing that we can do with this? Um, what, where are the fun rhythms? Where are the beats? Where are the things that like would get people's head nodding in this mode in this in this place? Sure, um, yeah. And I got some really fun stuff out of it. And that's where I finally started feeling that fire in the belly come back up again that I hadn't had with the previous album. I was like, this this is right. This is the thing that's working. You know, I was yeah. I was suddenly having a lot of fun again, and it didn't sound like anything else. Um, you know, it it suddenly was this whole unique thing because no one was aiming for it because yeah it's kind of a dumb idea like if you're if you're <laughs> making music as a as a job like why the fuck would you do this like it's it's sure. a rubbish idea there's no there's no mechanics for distributing it like i i found this now that i've finished it and we're we're like doing a little bit of promo it's all self release so it'll be a very low key kind of affair but yeah. like i'm like I'm sending it about the place and you realize the, our entire system of promoting music is set up to make sure you fall into particular genre styles and bins. Like yeah. playlisting on Spotify, you have to fit this complete brief in order to even remotely think you'll get a slot on it. Yeah. And like, it's a dumb idea. That's why no one's done it before. Sure, but, like, yeah. I, I'm just, I couldn't care, you know? Like if, it, if it's a horrible flop and I have to go and get a, a job, you know, like at McDonald's, fine. I Honestly, fine. Like I am so satisfied and happy to have a record that sounds genuinely like nothing else because i made some very stupid decisions um yeah i'm just very i'm just very proud of it i'm just that's i'm very awesome. proud that it is completely bizarre and, and stupid that's awesome man no, i love that i think yeah i mean the ones who take risks are the ones you know despite even if the even if it doesn't have the success like on a commercial level like it's the ones that you know in the long term, you, as you mentioned earlier in the episode, like, you know, they, they're remembered by the people who appreciate them. I think like some of the songs I remember, like longest, they, they have a distinctive stuff. Even if people have come and gone and emulated what those people were doing to a degree and whatever, like they were, you know, people who, I guess, pioneered stuff in their time or whatever it was. So yeah, yeah it's like a, that, it's a, that I think was a, a large part of the MO for this record was very much yeah. just like, I really don't care about the numbers too much. What I really want is for someone to listen to this and to go, I can do these things and I want them to go and do it better. Because like the, the person who does something first is not going to be the person who does something the best, but it shows people what they can do, what's possible and what someone else who's much more talented than I am can go and do and when they pick it up and run with it. Like I would love for this to get very few plays, but for one person to hear it and be like, oh shit, like, I can do that and go and make a like a, a life changing all time a record off the back of it, you know. Um, sure. I, I just what I want most of all is I just want people to listen to it and be like, oh yeah, we can do other things. Yeah. Like I don't I don't know if you found this recently, but like a lot of especially the main the mainstream like the big names in modern future bass and EDM and that kind of stuff that everything is coalescing to the same point to the point where it's borderline not electronic anymore. They're just like. There's just strong pop songs, you know. Yes, like we, we, yes, there's, yeah. There, yeah. There's no, like, and they're really well written. I'm not going to take anything away from it, but like that, I, I found it with a couple of the collaborations I mentioned previously. They're so ashamed of being electronic artists. I would have synths and stuff in these collaborations, and they'd be like, "Could we get rid of that, please, and replace it with a guitar? We're feeling more organic elements, please." And it's like, yeah, be proud right. of your medium. Like we, like <laughs> we have the opportunity to do anything we want. Like we have a computer that is pro capable of processing anything your imagination can conceive why are we regressing why are we going back to like just a guitar that sounds like a guitar why are we going back to just a pop song and again we know the answer it's money but like it's so annoying to me like that's really what started getting my goat like there was this there is always a wonderful moment when a genre has its time in the shine and it starts blowing up you get about two to three years where people grab the genre and just run in as many different directions as possible with it. And they go really crazy and they go, okay, what if it was that but house? What if it was that but DB? What if it was really mm. aggressive? What if it was really chill? And then one of those will connect with a commercial audience. That will become the new thing. And the edges get sanded down and down and down and down until it becomes this perfect pearl that you can sell and you can sell big tickets. And it's just a, a strong pop track. And then people will be so bored of it that someone has to do something different. And that'll be the thing that everyone for two to three years yeah. takes and runs in different directions until something yeah, works. It does sort it, of happen know? like that, doesn't it? Yeah. It really does. There's always a cycle to it. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, it, it just, I, I just got so bored. I just got so bored of these <laughs> artists that I fell in love with because they were pushing boundaries and because they were doing weird texture work and fun things with production and like utilizing interesting techie stuff to really instill emotion. All they did was boil it down to, I don't know, I guess I'll write, you know, 10 love songs. Off we go. And yeah, like, I see. I see. Fine. There's a lot more possibility out there. I do agree with you. Yeah. There's Absolutely. A lot more, um, I think that's encouraging for new artists as well who are listening to this. It's very easy to feel like everything's been done before, but, you know, there are there's still a lot of, you know, untapped potential, I feel like, with technology out there. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. And, um, yeah, man, I'd be interested to hear, like, what's coming up beyond the album for you do you have any plans at the moment or just kind of taking <laughs> it as it comes or uh holiday i think uh yeah, honestly yeah. i'm like i'm i'm very excited just to sit down and write uh just a few little one-offs for anki anyway just because like yeah. my as we mentioned before my process for previous albums was you know write 85 tracks and then bin all the ones until i get to it this one was such a process and such a hard time that i literally just wrote these 10 songs that was it didn't write any others yeah so it's yeah. just literally for Anki, the, the world has been these 10 songs for two years. Um, and I'm really mm. excited to take what I learned and just like do a single here and there, just like a little pop up. and just like, where are the, like, where else can I take this now that the pressure's off? Sure. Um, yeah. But like what I, what I really want to do is um, like now that that's working, I want to start taking that sound world and applying it to things like remixes and collaborations and work with other artists and like apply their sound to this new framework you know change the yeah. time signatures change some weird stuff that'd be really fun awesome. um yeah other than that like to keep myself sane uh while making this record i did start quite a lot of side projects and new aliases and stuff um yeah. so i've uh i'm spinning up a few um they are much more conventional and they're just like because i needed to get out of those songs for a little while sometimes sure so I yeah i have a um I have quite a relaxed one that I'm um, I'm doing with Enhanced at the moment. There's like behind the scenes been working on that a little bit. Hopefully aiming to get that out either by the end of the year or early 2022, uh, like a nice cool. little four or five track, which is very chill and very nice. A awesome. um, couple of others that I'm doing, I'm doing a, a very fun one, which uh, I'm still getting the like full first eight demo sorted for, but it is basically what if we did like joyride style house music but it's also royal blood like what happens if it's right. like like everything is built off like a chunky blues guitar riff and then it's just about dancing as hard as possible uh, and right. like like really going like full party mode uh, that's really fun um wow. so that will be next year at some point um and the other one that i mentioned i'm doing lots of experimental stuff with uh with mouse who's a very talented producer we have an alias that we're working on um which is utterly unhinged like if you think to be heard is nuts like you haven't heard anything <laughs> yeah it's, right. it's full like it's it's un unhinged it's ridiculous like we've made there was one song we made which was like two and a half midgets of two and a half midgets two and a half minutes <laughs> uh, um two and a half minutes of cat imitating a pigeon into the microphone and then we were like all right let's just mangle that into as many things as we possibly can um, wow it's that's very fun so that'll be coming pretty soon once we've um kind of nailed down the first four or five so yeah lots of stuff on the horizon um, i yeah. just don't know what order or shape it takes yet you know i feel like so many people get to come on this podcast and go like well i'm touring the states you can see me here and here and here and i'm just sat there just like i don't know man i just want to make some stuff i don't want to <laughs> make some cool stuff yeah no, that's fair enough man that's cool <laughs> um that excited to hear some of those those other projects as well man um and we have one last question. I'm not sure if you were asked this last time you were on. I can't actually remember. I didn't listen to this part of the episode. Um, well, haven't listened to it in a long time. But because uh, I, I used to listen to this podcast religiously before I hosted it. But <laughs> but one thing I will ask, um, like if you had a time machine, in terms of your music journey, what would be one thing that you would go back and change? Oh. There are a lot of things I could say that would burn a lot of bridges, so I'm not going to do that. Um, <laughs> there are a lot of things I could say that Save would say, I'll get a lot of angry emails when this airs. Um, I, I'll, I'll keep it more personal in that case then. Uh, I guess it would be... I, I would go back and I would tell myself about six or seven years ago, like, don't be, don't be swayed into the commercial mold as much 
there was definitely a moment where I was on the up and things were going really well. And it was because I was taking a lot of risks and going quite a bit mad. Like the first record I still really like because it does sound like a kind of adolescent brain in their bedroom going apeshit. Um, And then the next one came out and I, it didn't get the response that I wanted and I didn't like it as much. And it's because I had this burden of you need more plays, you need more numbers, you need things to go up. I just want to go back and shake myself and just say like, stop caring about that because people connect more with your music when you don't, you know? Yes. Like the the, the moment you start putting the industry, the promo, the, the socials, everything before the art that you're making, the art suffers. And ironically enough, so does everything else, you know? Right. Um, yeah. So I, I would go back and I would just say, stop it. Like, delete the socials like log on when you need to promote a release delete all of that don't focus on building a brand or any of that bullshit and just just make stuff that makes you happy and is a bit weird stop sanding the edges down um because it that would have saved me a good five-year journey to get to this point to be honest i feel like i i could have made this record about five years ago uh <laughs> i i was right scared and frightened so i would i would yeah i would go back and say stop caring <laughs> uh, sure yeah, i think um the only other answer to that would be i would go back to my 18 year old self and be like learn what side chaining is <laughs> that yeah would be the easiest one. <laughs> uh, it's like that's the one thing you'll never forget is side chains like yeah I'm, I'm probably gonna use that at least in some way <laughs> like the, in, the, in the thing track. that really annoys me is like i think that's probably the one of the first moments in someone's production journey where they sit down and they make one change and they go like everything's 10,000 percent better oh my god like it's yeah. one of the few things that you can apply and all of a sudden like oh this sounds way better like yeah um, yeah like as a as a quick aside like i got my start in production because like i i wanted to teach myself how to make dubstep when i was like 17 yeah and like it was at this moment where dubstep was just about to bubble outside of mainstream it was before scary monsters was hit and had that real explosive moment yeah, and like, yeah because i was adolescent and an idiot i was doing these things where i would like apply nine distortions to a bass or whatever sounded yeah. from a technical perspective awful absolutely yeah. awful but because it was having this moment like it got way more plays than it should like way more plays yeah. there was a remix that i did from back then that's on like 15 million views like it was insane and it was enough to start building this platform and this career like we had yeah like international gigs we had like good collaborations like really good plays but we didn't know how to produce anything <laughs> like yeah. it all sounded awful i just want to go back and be like for fuck's sake learn how to sidechain your snares <laughs> god damn it like <laughs> yeah just, like, wow god's sake high pass things dude everything's <laughs> got like 20 hertz bubbling up at the bottom yeah like, all this mud yeah oh it's amazing yeah. man uh this has been a pleasure man thank you so much yeah, it's been for really fun. Uh, thanks for having me yeah, on yeah thanks for the chat man some good some good ground covered um for those of you who are listening uh well for those who are listening where can people find you online etc uh so you can find me at anki music on basically every platform uh i'll give you a awesome. heads up as as mentioned as alluded to previously i don't post much because i hate social media so it's basically <laughs> as and when music comes out you'll see my pretty face um Totally. Yeah, at Anki Music everywhere. Uh, you can find me on all the various music platforms just under Anki. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, please listen to the new record and share it with everybody you know because it's really good. It's really good. Awesome. And that will be in the description. So everybody go listen to that. But um, yeah, man. Thank you so much. This has been awesome. Yeah. Thank you for having me, man. It's always been always a pleasure. Great. Awesome.